The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. What I'd like for us to talk about and share some thoughts about today is kindness. I have some things to say, and then I hope you will share some of your thoughts. This is from a collection of Zen cards. Through kindness, the world softens. Be kind to all beings and things. In this way, creation returns to its natural state of beauty. Is it okay now? So, I first thought of this topic a few weeks ago when I saw in the paper an editorial by Thomas Plant, who is a um, psychologist, a professor at Santa Clara University and also at Stanford. And it's titled, Here's a Great Stress Remedy After Siege of Disasters. This was right at the time of the fires, after there had been hurricanes and floods, and now the devastating fires, and the very harsh national rhetoric. And many people concerned and upset and stressed and on edge. And what he said, what he suggested, and what he said research has found, is that being kind helps reduce our stress. Being kind to ourselves and to each other. Kind and gentle, he said. When there's so much turmoil, so much going on, we can help each other by being kind. Of course, sometimes that's when it's the most difficult to be kind, when we're stressed. Um, so it takes mindfulness, it takes intention, it takes being aware and intending to be kind. But there are many, many ways, little ways and big, that we can practice kindness. Remember a few years ago, there was the bumper sticker, practice random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauty. And I remember at the time, or around that time, Jack Cornfield talking about a practice of his, 
which was, and at the time his daughter was very young, when they went across the Golden Gate Bridge, they would pay, this was back when we actually paid the toll, they would pay the toll for the car behind. And then Caroline, his daughter, would love to sit and look back and see the reaction <laughs> on the people's faces. And uh, I did it a time or two. And it is very fun. It is probably something that wouldn't have occurred to me on my own. But after hearing Jack talk about it, I did it. And one time, there was a car that followed me down 19th Avenue before he finally, you know, came alongside me, rolled down the window and said, thank you. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> that felt like such a, a nice connection. Can't do it quite like that anymore. But, um, but there are so many ways. Speech is one of the main ways probably we can be kind. It's probably one of the ways that we are least <laughs> kind. But remember, the Buddha talked a lot about wise speech. And he suggested that it should be more than truthful. It should be kind and gentle, not harsh not gossipy or idle, but kind and gentle. So can we remember that? Intentionally make our speech kind and gentle. Because so much of being kind is how we do whatever we do more than what we actually do. We can do something that is basically kind, but if we do it with a harshness or um, a lack of kindness, then it's not going to come across kind. We can do something that may not ordinarily be seen as kind, but we do it in such a way that it feels very kind. So remembering that, that how we do something is probably more important than what we actually do. We can be kind with our body. We can be kind with a smile, with a touch, with a gesture that indicates, I care. I'm aware of your suffering, or just I'm aware of you, and I care. We can be kind with our actions, large and small. So this is from Barbara Kingsolver, and her, from her book, Animal Dreams. What I want is so simple, I almost can't say it. Elementary kindness. Enough to eat, enough to go around. The possibility that kids might one day grow up to be neither the destroyer nor the destroyed. And she talks about 
you know, the, the smile, the touch of a hand, the phone call, the errand for a sicker elderly person, the pot of soup for the new mother. Act as though this kindness were the most needed act in the world. It is. So then I also thought of Ajahn Brahm, who has written this book, Kindfulness. <laughs> uh, kindfulness? Yeah, sorry, you want me to speak louder? No. Just that? Okay. <laughs> Ajahn Brahm is um, an Ajahn in Australia, and uh, He's been an early supporter of women's full ordination. He's also very funny and has written a couple of books. Um, uh, Who Ordered This Truckload of Dung, which the book group here used a couple of years ago. And I can't remember the follow-on, but anyway. In this book, basically he says, don't just be mindful be kindful. And he gives uh, basic meditation instructions, but he keeps adding kindful, kindful. He says, kindfulness is the cause of relaxation. It brings ease to the body, to the mind, and to the world. Kindfulness allows healing to happen. Don't just be mindful, be kindful. And I want to stress, as he does, that it's important to be kindful to ourselves. Sometimes that's the hardest. We are often hardest on ourselves. But if we aren't kind to ourselves, then it's very hard to be kind to other people, just like with anything. Loving kindness, um, it always starts right here. So being kind to ourselves. So I can speak to that from my own experience this morning. I uh, was supposed to bring something for Gil, And I have, of course, emailed him and told him, you know, I would bring it this morning. And I got about a third of the way up here and realized I had come off without it. Yes, that's exactly how I felt. (laughs) Of course, it was sitting right by the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, you know, there's a part of me, fortunately, a small part that, you know, just wants to be unkind to myself. But fortunately, through lots of practice, there's another part that is very curious. How did this happen? And how come? And what's going to be the result? Because I have found so often in my life, something doesn't go the way I planned, and something sometimes better, sometimes just different happens. So I, you know, <laughs> I reminded myself I'm doing a talk on kindness. <laughs> I'd better practice what I preach. So I am doing my best to be kind and, and curious. Like, how is this going to go? What's, 
what's going to happen? How will this work itself out? Uh, John Brahm says we can bring kindness to our breath by accepting our breath just as it is. Just like accepting ourselves just as we are. You might be amazed how many people or how many times people are so critical of their breath. It's not right somehow. It's too fast. It's too slow. It's too shallow. It's too whatever. And it can be quite a challenge to just sit and be with the breath as it is. Bring interest. This is how the breath is right now. We can be kind with our faults, so-called faults. There's a saying, there are no mistakes, only learning. I feel that way about faults. I think what we term faults are differences. And maybe that's the kindest way to see them, not as faults, at all, but as differences, or as this is the way it is. Fault finding, which some people do quite easily, is a block to kindness. If we're constantly finding fault with ourselves or others, then it's going to be very difficult to be kind. So noticing our fault-finding and to the best of our ability, letting it go or just noticing it. I find often when I notice something, just an inward chuckle. Oh, there I am again. Is so helpful to let go of, of holding on to it. Impatience is a huge block to being kind. And this, of course, is the time of year when it's so easy to be impatient. Um, I was in a couple of grocery stores yesterday, and wow, already, you know, they're, they're so busy and packed full of people and sales and whatever, and it's very easy to get impatient. But it's also very difficult to be kind when we're feeling impatient. So if we can be the one in line or wherever in the store to be calm and smile instead of, you know, frowning or grousing because we have to wait a few more minutes, if we can be the one to offer a smile to somebody else in line or to the person checking us out, that can make such a difference. We've probably all had the experience of being rushed or being upset or whatever and having somebody smile at us. And just that simple gesture can bring things down. Anger and fear can be blocks to our kindness. So practicing with not pushing away our anger and fear, but acknowledging it, making 
friends with it, as Thich Nhat Hanh would say. Allowing that anger and fear are a part of the human condition. And we don't want to get stuck in them. They can um, be quite destructive, but they don't have to be. We can just acknowledge the anger. Oh, there's anger. Oh, there's fear. Somebody sent me an article the other day that was filled with anger. And I was a bit put off by it. And I thought, how should I answer this? And then I remembered practice, and I just answered with, oh, this is a lot of anger. And let it go. (laughs) The anger left for me didn't stir up anything else. Beliefs can get in the way of kindness, our views, our ideas. And an example I have of that, the other day I was walking my dog and came across a couple of people with their dogs and somehow we were talking about graffiti and graffiti on the overpasses over freeways. And uh, I think I said something about the graffiti that really annoys me is when they write on the freeway signs <laughs> and I can't read them. Yeah, yeah. And one woman said, well, I guess we were talking about how they get up there. And she said, well, I wish they would fall into the traffic. I was horrified. <laughs> I was so stunned. I actually didn't have a comeback. I just, you know, I was just silent. But I couldn't believe it. I thought, what, you know, what belief or what view does she hold that she could say that? That seems to be about the ultimate of unkindness. (laughs) To wish harm It's one thing to be annoyed by something, but to actually wish harm to the person, um, not very kind at all, of course. So I want to keep stressing, we can be kind to everyone and everything. (laughs) Not just our friends, not just human beings, literally everyone, to animals, to plants, to, to foliage, um, to the earth. The earth is our home. And the earth right now is suffering. And so we can think about how can we be kind to our earth? What can we do and how can we do it to alleviate some of the suffering of our earth. Here's another uh, saying from Mother Teresa. 
There is hunger for ordinary bread. And there is hunger for love, for kindness, for thoughtfulness. And this is the great poverty that makes people suffer so much. A seeker once asked the Dalai Lama, what is the purpose of the Tibetan meditations, rituals, and chants? And he replied, to become a kind human being. Isn't that lovely? The Tibetans have a lot of ritual, you know, a lot of chants and imagery. And to say, it's about becoming a kind human being. That really boils it down, doesn't it? And you've probably heard many times the Dalai Lama says, my religion is one of kindness. Kindness starts in our hearts. And it radiates out, if we will, allow it. It's kind of like metta. Metta. We do metta for everyone. And we say metta spreads out like the sun over everyone and everything. And remember with metta, we do metta for the difficult person. So likewise, we can be kind to the difficult person. We can meet unkindness with kindness. Now that's a challenge. (laughs) That may not be our first inclination. If someone is unkind, often what tends to come out is something unkind in response. It's almost as if we have to meet the unkindness with more unkindness, with, with a worse whatever comment or action. But what if, what if we met unkindness with kindness? What if instead of cursing the person on the freeway that cuts us off, <laughs> We take our foot off the gas pedal and (laughs) allow them to go ahead. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because our reaction can be one of fear and one of anger. And to not let those run us, but instead even offer metta. Sometimes I remember to do that. Sometimes I don't. (laughs) May you arrive safely. May you not involve anyone else. It can be a challenge. And this is where it's important that we do our inner work. That we clear our minds and hearts so that We're an open vessel, and we can meet unkindness with kindness. Maybe not every single time, but much of the time. That can take restraint. 
that can take a strong intention. And sometimes it may not mean doing or saying anything, but doing nothing. Sometimes doing nothing is the kindest response. So I'm reminded of a story I've heard often in this practice, you may have too, and that is of a delivery person coming to bring a package and finding a homeless person curled up asleep in the entryway. And you can imagine so often the delivery person would be annoyed and, uh, you know, bark something or (laughs) whatever. But in this instance, the person said, oh, excuse me, sir. I hate to disturb you, but I need to deliver this package. That is really kindness, isn't it? Excuse me, sir but I need to deliver this package. That, that image stays with me. And I think of that actually often. The Dalai Lama says, in understanding loving kindness, maybe it's best to put the emphasis on the kindness. Simple kindness transforms the world. It seems so simple, doesn't it? It seems so easy, but we all know that it isn't necessarily easy. It may be simple, but it's not necessarily easy. And it takes genuine intention, genuine practice, to remember and to restrain, to withhold an unkind comment or action and replace it with one of kindness. So as always, when I'm talking about any um, uh, quality in Buddhist practice, it becomes clear that they're not so distinct. We talk about generosity, we talk about compassion, we talk about kindness, we talk about gentleness, uh, empathetic joy, etc. But as we talk about them, they tend to meld. They're not so different. So generosity is a big part of kindness. And likewise, kindness, a big part of generosity. Also, gratitude. I think gratitude can be the underpinning for much kindness. And without gratitude, it may be more difficult to be kind. So this is the week that we tend to focus on gratitude. And I think it's really a very wonderful practice. We can do it all year long. Sometimes people adopt a gratitude practice where every day, maybe at the end of the day, they will sit down and either write down or just mentally go over 
what they are grateful for that day. And when I was doing that, what I discovered was, um, it might take me a few seconds to get started, but once I did, then it just went on and on and on and on until I found I was being grateful for even the challenging things, even the difficult things, and it came naturally. It wasn't a, a forced. So practicing gratitude, practicing compassion, practicing empathetic joy are all ways of being kind, of practicing kindness. I ran across uh, this article, A Revolution of Kindness. And it's about a man who met Mother Teresa at one point, and she asked him what he was doing. Let's see. She asked me what I was doing to help the poor and suffering, and I had to answer nothing. She responded, everyone can do something. So this prompted him to start the Convoy of Hope, a faith-based nonprofit um, organization that he established. And now he has written a book, Your Next 24 Hours. One day of kindness can change everything. So that can be good to remember, too. One day, we could say, one act of kindness can change, if not everything, many, many things. So what does kindness look like? Well, of course, it looks many different ways. And I, I want to say again that sometimes the kindest thing is to not do or say anything. Sometimes the kindest thing is to say no. I think of children as we're raising our children. Sometimes it can be difficult for parents to say no. And sometimes that's exactly what's called for. And we can do it kindly. We can do it gently. But say no. We might not often think of saying no as kind, (laughs) but it can be. If, in fact, um, that shouldn't happen or that shouldn't be done, then the kindest thing can be to say no. Forgiveness. Sometimes kindness looks like Forgiveness. We talk a lot in this practice about forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean condoning something or allowing something. It doesn't mean um, that we forgive an, or that we uh, dismiss unethical or unkind behavior. No, no. It simply means not holding on to our resentment, to our anger, 
Many times, it's important to forgive, but not to forget. Because we don't want to allow the circumstances to recur. So we don't want to hold on to the anger and resentment, but we want to be smart. We don't want to put ourselves in a situation where this behavior could happen again. When we recognize that holding on to resentment hurts us, oftentimes the other person doesn't even know, but it hurts us. We all know the feeling of holding on to some kind of of anger or resentment. It's not much fun. And so, and of course, if we're holding on to resentment, it's going to be very difficult, not impossible, to be kind (laughs) to anyone, let alone uh, the person that we're angry with. So practicing. Forgiveness is a process. It's not something that we do once and then it's over. We sometimes have to do it over and over and over again. And that's fine. That's fine. The intention is there to let go of whatever we're holding on to. So what if kindness ruled instead of our greed, aversion, and ignorance? What if we allowed kindness to be the organizing (laughs) principle or to be the most important instead of, you know, accumulating, getting, getting more of whatever, whether it's things or experiences or relationships or whatever, letting kindness be more important than our greed, our aversion, or our ignorance. Kindness tends to make life more vibrant. It adds color and texture to our lives. When we're, when we're unkind or when we're um, fearful or angry or unhappy, things tend to look gray. They can look very dull. But kindness tends to open up and bring an aliveness and a color to life. So can we learn to let things be? Just let them be. We talk about letting go, but sometimes letting letting go is too much effort, and we're not in control of letting go anyway. That's sort of an oxymoron. But we can learn to let things be, including ourselves. It's the way it is. John Brahm calls it a silent awareness. A silent awareness. Just allowing things to be just as they are. So 
one more little quote and then I'm going to ask you to share. Paying attention provides the gift of noticing and the gift of connecting. It provides the gift of seeing a little bit of ourselves in others and realizing that we're not so awfully alone. This is from Sharon Salzberg, who is best known for her book on loving kindness. Seeing ourselves in others and realizing we're not so alone. And I like that she uses the word so awfully alone because we do often feel so awfully alone, don't we? And to remember that, that we're not. We're not. We're not so separate. We're not in this alone. We're all in this together. So I'd like to hear from you some thoughts on kindness, maybe examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really appreciated your talk just in terms of how many uh, examples of kindness that you provided. Um, one thing that's been coming up for me is just um, when somebody talks to me about a problem, um, just like listening and validating and just not trying to change or fix, just yeah. allowing that um, that pain. And, and on some level, a lot of the time, the person wants to change that and they already know what to do, but there's just so much aversion there um, wanting to change it. So sometimes just allowing it to exist in its natural form you said sort of like kindfulness or kindness is like the absence of judgment sometimes. And I like that. It doesn't have to be so much intentionally trying to be kind as much as just trying to withhold the habitual reactive judgments. Yes. That is really a gift to somebody to just listen without response, without reactivity, just listen yeah it's very um respectful and it's often just what somebody needs and i often hear people complain that they don't get that (laughs) and i you know i try to do it myself and i catch myself sometimes oh i jumped in with something rather than just letting it be yeah it takes practice thank you yeah and then the forgiveness too just like I like this quote it's from like Christ and it's like forgive him for he does not know what he is doing just like I just think there's a lot of like wisdom and peace and compassion in that like allowing people to be who they are and allowing them to make mistakes yeah and and rather than than projecting some kind of intentionality on it, you know, allowing that the person doesn't understand what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Somebody else? Well, I was thinking that, you know, sometimes you have to give a negative feedback to someone, but you have to do it kindly. Kindly. 
And it's taken me a while to, I mean, realize that perhaps part of what's doing it is to transcend the reactivities, to not be acting out of the reactivity, be acting out of some other mm. part of yourself. Uh, there is a talk here, I don't remember who gave it uh, within the past year, that said if you have an aversion reaction to something bad, you're less effective as a warrior against mm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's sort of that's been something that's been said in these holes that's really stuck with me a lot. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought of casual mention, I've twice in my entire lifetime seen some very both positive and creative graffiti, and it's always left me this, why isn't there more graffiti like this? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Yeah, somebody recently said, I can't think who it was, you know, you can say almost anything and get away with it. If you say it, I think they said nicely (laughs) or kindly. (laughs) And it's really, it's really true. You can, you can give some very difficult feedback and if you do it kindly and caringly, you can get away with it. A long time ago, uh, someone gave me this idea. Don't judge, don't compare, and release the need to understand. Mm -hmm. And that's been very valuable to me because when I don't follow those three, uh, I can't be kind. Mm. And I think it fits with with what you were saying about um, the the message is one thing, and where it comes from in us is another. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I think comparing is my worst delusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's okay, but this was so much better. <laughs> or um, this person is kinder, so that person isn't, isn't worthwhile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, just, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, um, it's so quick yeah. that it's, um, <clears throat> it takes awareness just to even notice I'm doing it. So, but I think just having the willingness to be aware is, yeah is all I can manage right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, and I think that's huge, you know, and I like the way you said that, having the willingness to be aware. <laughs> Sometimes that's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't have the willingness to be aware. Yeah. So I have problems with short-term memory, but you said don't judge, don't compare, and what was the last part? Release the need to understand. That's difficult. Exactly, yes. I always need to understand. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So I need some help with this one because it came up right before I walked in here. Uh, My brother is um, uh, developmentally delayed and um, I think he's either increasing in dementia or he's kind of always been there, but it's getting worse. 
So my sister and I are trying to be kind and trying to be there for him. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he, randomly, he does, he's just, he walks off or he's rude or he's mean, you know, when you're trying to do something nice. I mean, you're trying to be kind. So I need help with, I mean, it, it just takes a lot of practice to be able to be, uh, I guess, not attached to wanting it to be different or something. Mm-hmm. So how to mm-hmm. be kind. And, and I think what I'm hearing is uh, there are times you need to set limits. Well, it and brings you... up anger. You know, he's that angry at you, at one, at us, uh-huh. for who knows why, and we can never figure out, you know, where it's coming from. It may not actually be at you. <laughs> so it may not be at us, yes. So, and then what was it you asked me? You said it may be what? Uh, I said it sounds like there may be times you have to set limits. Well, the limits don't, they don't compute in the system. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's, um, I guess it's taking a step backward and being kind to oneself. Mm-hmm. Yes. That too. When one tries and letting go of needing to know why why he's being that way or what you might have done to to do it because it's kind of like random acts of anger. You know, <laughs> very important to be kind yourself. Yes, yes. Because you don't know what's going on in his mind. What has led him to say or do yeah. whatever he did. Yeah. And, yes, I think being kind to yourself when maybe your first reaction is yeah. fear or, no! <laughs> you know? Mostly just pure anger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've done this, 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 and this. <laughs> yeah. And, and if it comes out, you can apologize. You can take a step back. You know, anger is a human emotion. And we don't want to make things worse when we have reacted angrily by beating up on ourselves. So we notice, you know, and probably a lot of it comes out of fear. Um, Anger is often a cover for for fear. It's easier to feel angry than fearful. Fearful. With fearfulness, there's a sense of helplessness. With anger, there's a sense of control and power. That's um, Thank you. But often, I can imagine in a situation like that, that uh, often underneath the anger is fear. Fear about what's going to happen, fear about whatever. Well, I think that, uh, I don't spend too much time on this, but I think that that maybe he's experiencing fear, and that's mm. why he's angry. Because well. he's a sweet person, a very sweet person underneath. So I know he's not going to hurt me, mm-hmm. but it's just anger is like fire. It just mm-hmm. it's so catchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyway, so I'm going to yeah. look at that as maybe the, the anger from, for him on his part's coming from fear of some kind. And then I'm more able to... Yeah, right, right. And sometimes he may not know. Oh, I know. I where it's coming from. Know. I don't think he knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
ไทยโอเคโอเค so I'm wondering if we can talk about similar problem thank you for bringing up what you just shared um, I'm not sure how to orient and how to help I see my parents taking care of my grandparent he's 93 years old and that's a very difficult situation because according to my parents he's being not reasonable whatever that mm -hmm. means mm -hmm. which leads to a lot of stirred emotion and a lot of difficulty and I observed similar pattern with my mother-in-law trying to take care of my husband grandfather who already passed away and specifically what I don't like in this situation and I'm not sure how to deal with that really that once upon a time everybody loved each other and you looked <laughs> up to your parents right and things were just lovely and then at some point when they are getting older and of course if people are struggling with something when I'm struggling with something I'm not a very nice person to be around I mean that's understandable right. somehow what I'm reacting to that there is a lot of negative attributions towards somebody who once upon a time again you hold in a very different light yeah. and I sort of understand both parties and I don't know like, like what to do about that and I'm completely understanding that I'm up next really <laughs> <laughs> basically <laughs> so any input would be highly appreciated uh, that can be a real challenge I know yeah I think uh, so often it's a conflict of um of what is thought to be best. I think people as they age want their independence, want to do what they want to do, and don't like, <laughs> um, you know, their kids trying to tell them what to do. On the other hand, the kids are concerned, you know, mom and dad or one or the other, are getting forgetful or getting confused or whatever and we want to keep them safe and and what we think needs to be done to keep them safe doesn't match what they want yeah. I read one time uh, that people older people would rather be unsafe and independent and that exactly and when I read that boy that really took me aback but I thought about it and I mean aren't there times in our lives you know Security is not the most important <laughs> thing, and so we take a risk, or it's okay, you know, it's all right. Um, hiking just came to mind, you know, hiking high or on a narrow path or something. I don't want somebody telling me I can't do that. Sure, there's a risk, but I'm willing to take it. 
so uh, understanding that, yeah. that for us, security might be, or safety might be the main thing. But for our parents, that may not be the most important thing. And maybe we have to let go <laughs> and not feel guilty or responsible if they fall. Yeah. You know, they'd rather take the chance of falling and be able to do whatever they want to do. And maybe that's an important lesson for us. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually very much feeling and appreciating your response because I think at the core of it, it's a conflict of goals, what an older person wants and what their kids want for them. Yeah. And ultimately, in the very same way, I'm translating into my own situation. Like, yeah, I have children, but again, my goals might not be their goals. And yes, I'm responsible for providing for them, but I'm not them. And I, yeah. think I need to appreciate that. That's very helpful. Oh, good. Good. So it's 11. Let me just um, end with this, and I'll be around if anybody wants to talk. I, uh, oh, and I brought this. <laughs> You've probably all seen kind bars. <laughs> Somebody gave it to me <laughs> a while back. I thought, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> So I um, have started singing with a choir called the Threshold Choir. You may have heard of Threshold Choir sings, at, not as a whole choir, but in groups of three, usually at the bedside of people who are very ill or on the threshold uh, of dying. And after our rehearsals, we always sing this song called Kinder. I've decided to be happy I've decided to be glad. I've decided to be grateful for all I ever had. I've decided to let go of all this pain tonight. I've decided to let go of all these demons inside. I know I am blessed. I know all I ever wanted was this. I know I don't need more. I've got what I came for. I've decided to be open to that little voice inside telling me I'm beautiful. It's okay to be alive. I've decided to be kinder to myself when I feel sad. I've decided to be grateful for all I ever had. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that nice? And, and the idea that we can decide <laughs> to be kinder, decide to be grateful. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes, you know, just a decision, an intention, and things do change. So thank you all. I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. The song? <laughs>